Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Wherever and whenever you are listening, this is Chain Wrestling with Mags and Sai. I am the running late again and very unprofessional Sai. Uh, and with me, as always, he is the evolution to my lazy state of devolution. He is the Irish last kicker to my drank too much liquor yesterday. I'll tell you in a minute about that in a minute. A podcaster that proudly states, whenever he's out uptown with his usual gang in his wig and heels, he's normally, when out drinking, the last woman standing. It's Mr. Mags himself. How are we doing, sir? Do you think I am a man that wears heels? I, I wear flats when I go out. <laughs> I am not breaking my, breaking my ankles while pissed up. Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm uh, re- enjoying this uh, rather sunny, no, slash rainy, windy, hurricane weather that we're having up here in the north of England. Yeah, we're having it down here in the safe as well, mate. It is not pleasant at all. I've been chucking it down all day. Yep. Um, and I mean literally hammering it down to the point where the, the windows in my house are creaking, where the wind is so strong. It's bad. It, it's destroyed my gazebo. I bent all the, the legs on that, so that's ruined. It's uh, attempted to uh, bend the roof on the shed. Uh, so, yeah, fuck the wind. Yeah, fuck the wind indeed. <laughs> it is a piece of crap. Oh, how's your week been then, Mags, apart from the, uh, the the crappy weather today? Yeah, I mean, I can't complain. Uh, had a bit of fun with the the, the Man United and, and Liverpool game getting called off, so techers couldn't go ahead as planned. Uh, we had uh, some issue, technical issues with with uh, the, the UFC recording for five rounds. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it's not been a... The best of weeks all told for content, but yeah, but I've had fun otherwise. Yeah. Ah, good stuff, ain't good stuff. Yeah, as mentioned in our intro, I drank a little bit too much over the weekend, my friend. Um I went to go this see This is a recurring theme. It is, mate, it is. I got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I went to go see my sister and her chap. Like just completely at random. Okay. Um it was getting on a bit Saturday sort of afternoon, early evening time. Um, and I got a random message off my brother-in-law saying, oh man, there's, there's a really good boxing card on tonight. You should have come over and watched it because he's, he's built that pub in his back garden, I, I think I mentioned previously. Yeah. Um, and he said, you should have come over and watched it in the bar with us. 
And I was like, oh, yeah, never mind, next time. And he's like, well, you still can. We'll have it on. So I was like, well, I ain't doing nothing else. So me, the wife, and, and the two youngest uh, shot over there, had a nice evening over there. Um, he's got this new this new Guinness pump thingy in the in his little uh, homemade pub um, where you put the glass on it. You, you you put you pour your can into the glass. You put the glass on it. You press a button and it sends like a pulse through it, like in the in in the pubs. You know, it's called surge. I think. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, um, he's got one of those. Uh, he's got all these different ales in and then all these new bottles of spirits. And his sister said it's getting annoying because he can't go into like the cash and carry without coming out of all these different types of booze <laughs> to try and stock the pub up with. Um, and just so people know, you know, in case they're unfamiliar, in case they've not heard me describe it before, it's not just a bar in the garden. It is a full-on pub. He has built it up, walls, roof, heating. Um, there's arcade machines in there. There's dartboard. That's it's litter. It is amazing, and it's lit up like a proper old dingy boozer, sort of like I don't know, like the ones you see like on Albert Square and Coronation Street and all that sort of stuff. A proper old school dingy boozer, so it's like a proper pub. It's great. So we sat in there watching the watching the boxing and so on. I'd not eaten a great deal that day, which probably didn't help because I weren't thinking I was going out. I had a few more drinks, a few more Guinnesses. (laughs) Oh mate, I, I, I it was indeed. And then um, tried a few of these different vodkas and a few different whiskey. He had a, he had a special bottle of some um, uh, some American whiskey that somebody had recommended to him. And then he bought out this bottle of coconut rum that was around 40, 50% or whatever it was. Now, I'm already steaming by this point, but I thought, oh, I'll have a bit of that. Something a bit sweet to end, end the night with and, and, you know, go off home with. Um, I can't remember anything after that. <laughs> uh the wife says that her and the kids were literally laughing at me as i was trying to get to the car because i the wife had parked the opposite side of the road so all i had to do was cross the road but i was struggling with that doing the old zigzag walk to my to the passenger side um wow. <laughs> apparently i tried to feed the cats and the dog when i got in um and just literally uh, we, we got four cats uh, so i'm carrying four plastic bowls of food they ended up all over the front room carpet um and then I went up to bed um, after making myself something to eat. And I'll be honest with you, even right now, I cannot remember what I had. But this is the wife said I had something to eat, so I'm taking her word for it. Um, and then I did a sick, Mags. I did a big sick. Oh, you absolute lightweight. What a wanker I am. Yeah. Where Four did you years. be sick, though? Oh, mate. Well, the second time was in the toilet, so that weren't too bad. That that says that there's a first time that, yeah. that maybe didn't make the cut. Well, the first time I woke up and there was sick in my bedroom, and I was like, oh, oh that's grammy. It was not good, mate. I'm bearing in mind this is this hasn't. I have been sick through drinking in. I can't even name the number of years it's been that long. You know, maybe so you're like, allergic to coconut rum. Do you know what? That's how I'm going to spin this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go downstairs later on after we finish recording this, and I'm going to just say to the wife, "Do you know what? Max reckons I might be allergic to coconut rum, and I think he's right." <laughs> sounds, sounds plausible. Yeah, because I, I find I've been drinking in years and years and years, and the thing is as well, I I, I know my limits. I, I I can handle my drink normally, um, but I drink certain drinks that I know I like and that I know I can consume certain amounts of. Um, around my brother-in-law's it was like try this ale and I was like oh that's nice and he's like try that one yeah okay oh try this lager try this vodka try this whiskey try this try that and this is around 
well, this is early hours of the morning by this stage. So we've been there. I think we got there about half seven ish, maybe. He messaged about half six. So we probably arrived there about half seven ish. And the boxing was long gone. I, I couldn't even tell you who won the boxing until the following day. And I saw it on Sky Sports. I had no idea. So, yeah, uh, I was an absolute write off, mate. And all I could taste the following day was um, jalapeno pretzel bits and um, coconut. So that wasn't pleasant. Sounds like a clear case of coconut poisoning to me. Coconut poisoning. I'm going to go along with that. 100%. I'm telling the wife that. She can't be cross me for getting drunk now. I'm, I'm allergic. <laughs> I'm allergic. <laughs> I've got allergies. <laughs> to be honest, I felt all right the following day. I didn't want to risk doing much, but I felt all right the following day. Um, Livy had football and so on, but yeah, I didn't do a great deal other than that. So, But I didn't want to risk moving just in case. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, not a good look, mate. Not a good look. Yeah, so um, I suppose, Max, we can jump straight to Twitter, can't we? And have a little look at what people have been sending us this week. Yes, let's do. Uh, this week, our... I suppose we're going to go with non-wrestling topic as, as our um, as our title for this part of the show, I suppose. Uh, because believe it or not, despite the fact that it sometimes doesn't feel like it. This is a wrestling podcast. Um, <laughs> is, it, is it though, or is it an intervention? Well, <laughs> um, this week's non-wrestling topic or question that we put out to the great listeners of the show and people on Twitter was uh, following on a little bit, I suppose, from last week's episode with regards to... Um, great tv shows that you grew up watching as a kid i really enjoyed talking those tv shows and reminiscing about programs that i could remember and then going back and looking at ones that were suggested that i couldn't remember but then when i saw them on youtube i was like oh yeah i love this as well i, I had a great time with it yet yeah, last year last last week mags it was it was a brilliant topic and the listeners were fantastic it weren't they certainly was so kind of following on from that a little bit, we wanted to have a look at things that scared you as a kid, whether it's TV-wise or movies or anything in general, really, that scared you as a kid or potentially gave you nightmares as a kid. Um, the main premise being that, the, the, I suppose the link there being that I was a huge Doctor Who fan when i was a kid but the cybermen as i mentioned gave me nightmares and i mean huge nightmares um and there was one particular scene where they were sort of coming over um a bit of a sort of grassy hill effort and people are shooting stuff at them and they're not getting affected they just keep walking towards the camera and towards the camera and towards the camera and like i remember the scene very vividly even now and it gave me nightmares for, for a long long time when i was little um, I have since seen that episode of Doctor Who from 1980-whatever back with uh, Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldred, who played Ace, I think it was, wasn't it? That was yeah, his... I believe it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've now seen it back, and it is absolute crap. It's You can tell that the, the budget's been cut on the programme. <laughs> it's it's the same principles when you watch something back you love, and it's not as good as you remember. It's not, it, it, I'm looking, I'm thinking, what was wrong with me? But this, honestly, this scene terrified me so with that in mind we kind of wanted to have a look at people's you know scary moments as a kid nightmares as a kid what what sort of um frightened them or potentially gave them nightmares uh as always magazine shall i just run through them in the order we got them yeah let's do i mean i've i've read some of them and there's some i i agree with but there's one in particular that 
I'm blown away by, but I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute. I've got an idea which that one that might be. So when Correct. we get to, when we get to that, we'll, uh, we'll we'll pass comments. I may even save that one if I'm thinking of the right one until last. <laughs> that that's where we'll point and laugh. Yeah, I think so, mate. I think so. Um, Craig William from the excellent Pro Wrestling Musings site at Craig EW Musings on Twitter. Uh, he says the Demon Headmaster. Now we had quite a few people mention the Demon Headmaster. I think this was a little after my time of watching Kids TV because I don't really remember that show at all, Max. Yeah, um, it was it was kind of like rerun for me when I was in uh, my. I want to say early teens, so I, I caught some episodes of it. Uh, and yes, the the lead actor, I can't even remember his name for, for the life of me, he had a, a really evil stare, but I can imagine being a little bit younger and that absolutely sending the willies up my spine. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, he was he had a very, very evil stare. Uh, but yeah, he got, he got mentioned quite a few times, wasn't it? a really popular one. Yeah, and we've had a few people send like little um, little gifts and, and pictures and so on. <laughs> and, and I agree with you, mate. I can see how to somebody, I don't know, a, a little younger than, say, my youngest now, could watch that and be a bit like, oh, you know, be, be freaked out by it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at Chris one on Twitter, uh, when he was a kid, he said there was a program called Hi, later bought back in the early 2000s. Uh, he could never watch it because the noise of the Native American drums at the beginning and it scared the life out of him. That's he's a weird, weird guy. Um, <laughs> I mean, th- this is a guy who, who was the first ever third party uh, vote on on this show and now he's gone and ruined all that goodwill by being scared of some drums on a show that is designed to give little kids laugh hacks uh yeah that's a oh, weird that, um how to sort of thing yeah that's that's the one he said when it got rebranded it was how to yeah i think you had uh what was it called uh there were a guy called gary on it and i can't remember his last name fred Darnage, i'm sure was on it yeah and there was a last of them as well weren't there yeah um yeah it was a it was a cool little show yeah i remember that i could be scared of that well especially the 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 music coming into it i suppose i've been scared of music come on chris now you just put um, wall <laughs> you had drums that were supposed to be scary in the original jumanji didn't you because well, like, when you heard the drums you knew something was coming in the film like i could kind of get my head around that maybe that's what he was linking it to maybe maybe (laughs) Uh, but yeah that's a a spicy take chris uh and i think you deserve being mocked incessantly for that (laughs) uh dan griffin at dan griffin 21 here we go um and um, my son he'll strong arm a drunk story into this (laughs) <laughs> my son also has uh something very similar here he says he attended a wwf house show when he was four or five and the undertaker's entrance scared the shit out of him yeah um my son was terrified of the undertaker when he was younger and as soon as the lights went out on the screen and he heard you know that dong he was absolutely petrified so i <laughs> a little bit mean i guess i used to bring the music up on my phone 
And I turn, go up, turn lights off. <laughs> yeah, I go and stand on the landing because I could. There's a spot on the landing in my in my in my house, the, the upstairs landing, where there's a light switch right next to his bedroom door, and I could stand next to the light switch right by his door, but he wouldn't see that I was there. So I'd knock on the door, he'd open it. I'd flick the light off and then play the dong on my phone and he'd literally scream and run into his bedroom. It was amazing. And I could do it several times, you know, it wouldn't just once and he'd think it was me. It was awesome. And the wife told me off, but, um, yeah, I enjoyed that. So, <laughs> and, and now it's cost you thousands of pounds in therapy. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, uh, Dan continues when he was nine, he read a goosebumps book that had the an invasion of the body snatchers type story stopped yeah. reading it because it freaked him out oh interesting um has he gone back and reread it or has he just like wrote that book off for the rest of time oh do you know what we're gonna need a follow-up to this isn't we yeah. I, hope, I hope at some point dan has gone back and read it because we need to know well I, I want dan to have closure i want him to know how this story yeah. finishes and it'd be interesting if he still would be petrified at the same point as a grown-ass adult. Yeah, I reckon that's a really good well, shot. Dan, that's your homework for tonight. Go and find that book and read it. We want to know A, the end of the story, and B, whether you uh, feel pathetic for being scared of uh, a Goosebumps book. Yeah, same. I mean, this will come out on Wednesday, and we normally record uh, 7 o'clock on a Monday. So mm-hmm. well, I say normally, I've been late again. But <laughs> well, um, so we you'll nor- have essentially four days to yeah. read this book and, and tell us, for Dan Griffin's segment of the week, whether you've read this book again. I mean, he may have already read it, so he might not have to go out and read it. Well, there you go, then. He doesn't need any days at all, does he? All right, yeah, okay. Let us know by 7 o'clock next Monday, Dan, the ending of this book. And if you're still scared of it, mate, that'd be awesome. Uh, Also, Dan mentions the Demon Headmaster's Eyes Stroke Stare. So somebody asked for that there. Yep. Um, At 90s Wrestling Pod said that he had nightmares from the age of 4 to 11, which I think is quite quite a long time, isn't it, really? Seven years of nightmares? Jesus. Every night he would have nightmares of Freddy. So I'm assuming that's Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street uh, films. Uh, but I mean, at four years of age, I can fully appreciate why that would give you nightmares. My concern is, how has he seen any Nightmare on Elm Street films at the age of four? I suppose it depends on your situation, does it? Well, my wife um, has watched loads, of, watched loads of horrors, like the classic horrors, like the Friday the 13th and all that sort of stuff, when she was really little, because her brother is considerably older than her. Okay. So he would look after her when, because my mother-in-law and my father-in-law both would work, so there'd be evenings where they were on their own for a while, and he would put on any film he wanted, including certain horrors, so the wife would watch it at a very young age. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a scenario like that, I don't know. I mean, she watched things... A much younger age than that I did, and I, than I would want my own children doing, just because of the circumstances of, of her yeah, brother yeah. saying, "Oh, let's have a watch of this sort of thing," you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I've, I've watched horror films uh, before being, uh, well, I don't think it's legal, but before the 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 age uh, guidance uh, dictated, I suppose. Um, but I don't think I remember watching horror films at four years old. That seems a little bit extreme for me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a guy with a, a glove with knives and a, a, a burnt-up scarred face, yeah, it's, it's enough to to terrify any four-year-old. Yeah, especially definitely. When, especially when he wears a, a trilby hat and a, a striped jumper. 
I think the whole premise of it is brilliant as well. If you mm. go to sleep, then he can get you. Well, yeah, especially if you had seven years of nightmares of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, another one from Milwaukee. He says he has a reoccurring nightmare of having to watch Coco Beware versus Nikolai Volkov on repeat whilst having his eyelids forced open. I can sympathise why that would be yeah. so bad. That's very much like a, a Clockwork Orange style of, of torture. I, I agree with that one. You've redeemed yourself, Chris. That's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's a torture we can all appreciate. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Andy from Bang Bang Podcast, at Bang Bang Podcast on Twitter. Again, another fantastic show. Everyone should be checking out Bang Bang Podcast. It's brilliant. Um, yes. Andy has sent us a little video, actually, of the... The beginning to something called Roald Dahl's Tales of the Unexpected. And he said that just the music and the title sequence um, gave him nightmares for years as a kid. I'm 100% unfamiliar with this. I have no idea what this is. So what I'll probably do is, uh, whilst we're talking is, is get this music into the show somehow so people can have a listen so we know what we're referring to. But I've got no idea what that is, Max. <laughs> I remember a, 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 a TV show called The Tales of the Unexpected. Uh, it used to be on like pretty late at night. I was never like able to 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 stay up and watch it. But I didn't know Roald Dahl wrote that. Yeah, yeah. The, the video that he sent. I'm, I'm looking at me a my screenshot of it now, sort of as I go through the list. And it literally says Roald Dahl's Tales wow. of the Unexpected. That's something you you know, you learn something new every day. Yeah, it was, uh, the music was. Um, I, I vaguely remember the music. I remember the video. Is it uh, the one with the the dancing silhouette? Yeah, yeah, sort of cartoony. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that that was rolled out. So, what was it about that that freaked him out? I don't get the it. The music and the title sequence apparently gave him nightmares for years. The 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 music from Tales from the Tales of the Unexpected scared. Yeah. Scared him. Okay, that's that's fair, I suppose. I mean, weird. I mean, he does drink pissy beer though, so that is that <laughs> is understandable. I'd have loved some pissy beer Saturday night, mate. Not in this friend <laughs> coconut room. <laughs> um, don't let don't let Steve know that because he will he will stop listening to episode seven of your podcast. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, somebody who i think this might be the first time they've messaged in if it's not i apologize but either way thank you for getting in touch with the show lisa on twitter at lisa 176586767 uh jaws the shark and says she was terrified used to hide behind the settee um but says it was about eight years old at the time now jaws like lisa i can fully sympathize with that jaws i i've, I've watched jaws and i had this the standard you know not being able to hang my leg out of the bed because i thought someone was going to bite it or something you know when you're a kid uh, Jaws, I can fully get on board with Lisa, 100%. Yep, absolutely same. That, that uh, the scare when he uh, it jumps out and attacks the boat. Yeah, that was terrifying to watch. Uh, and you wouldn't think a, a shark movie would would make a good horror movie, but it absolutely did work. It was. It's, I suppose it's the fear of the unknown because we don't know a lot about the ocean and and people are naturally scared. And the fact a big shark with with massive teeth comes lunging out and attacks a boat yeah that's 
yeah, it's a great shout, Lisa. See, I never even thought of it, and it's daft, really, but it's never really entered my mind that Jaws was a horror film. It never dawned on me until literally probably, well, it's, it's within the last year that it, it was on one of these top 50 horror films of all time countdowns on like Channel 4 or Channel 5 or something like that. Um, and Jaws was like in the top three or four. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course it's a horror film because it scares the crap out of you. And it's got this yeah, big, exactly. you know, effectively, yes, okay, it's a shark, but it's still a big monster going around chewing people up and whatnot. Yeah, but it I, never. And I suppose you, you, the kind of like uh, the, the natural thought for a horror film is like dingy, dark, um, killer. Uh, you wouldn't expect a, a brightly lit blue ocean to be the, the setting for a, a horror movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, Lisa, that's a great show. Thank you for listening as well. That takes our female listeners' mags up to three, I believe, which is great. <laughs> we, <laughs> um, and two of them you're related to. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a bit more here from Bang Bang Andy. Mentioning about Freddy and um, the 90s wrestling podcast having nightmares of, of Freddy, he mentions that his old man sat him down and watched the original when it came out on VHS, maybe 85, 86-ish, when he was seven-ish, he said. He went back to his mum's on Sunday night, uh, fucking terrified for weeks. Can remember hearing his mum calling his dad all the names under the sun for giving him nightmares. <laughs> what, what is it with these like early 80s, mid-80s parents tormenting their kids like this. This is absolutely brutal. He should have rung the the 80s version of the social services. Was it not social services? I don't know. What do they have in the 80s? I don't know. Ye oldie social services, I would assume. Ye oldie um, <laughs> I'm surprised that one of Andy's uh, biggest fears is, is not spending more than two quid on any one can of beer. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna kick that 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 joke till it's dead. Brilliant. <laughs> um at Metal Mixel, is that? Is that how you say that oh, no. It's Metal Michael. Uh, I think Metal Michael had actually gone, so it was a way for him to keep the name Metal Michael. Oh, I see. Yeah, I've been it's on the from, podcast, yeah. yes, sir. The, the wonderful uh, call-up wrestling podcast. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, I've been on his podcast. Yeah, top bloke. I just I just looked at it and I don't know why I had a bit of a brain fart there. And I was like, how do I say that? But yeah, at Metal Michael, um, arachnophobia. And oh my God, I'm yes. 100% on board with that. That is That makes my skin crawl even now, just thinking about it. Yeah, I, I'm not someone who's, who's scared of spiders at all. Whenever there's a spider in, in this house, I'm always the one who has to kind of like gather it up and shoo it away. But that film, yeah, that that make, makes your skin crawl, especially the the the, the one where it's cut, the spider comes out of his mouth and goes into his nostrils and stuff oh, like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's brutal. Absolutely it's got brutal. It, it's, it's, as it, um, they're sitting down to watch a film, isn't they? And as, as it got in the popcorn? Yeah. Oh, oh that's horrible. Um, yeah, not cool. Uh, Danny, at Scottish Juggalo on Twitter. Uh, 1998 he was seven and somehow had uh, come across a vhs tape of american werewolf in london absolutely destroyed him it's a shame to admit this as he's a lifelong horror fan but it's true um i i don't think i've seen that i saw it um way after it come out uh, i think even way after like the the remake and the sequel had come out uh so yeah i, I wasn't terrified of it when when i saw it it was the special effects were cool and you could tell they were of that time 
Uh, and I bet if you were watching it uh, around that era, it would have looked terrifying. But now it, it's not as bad. But yeah, I can see a, a seven-year-old kid being scared to death of that. Mm. My wife's got a big thing about um, werewolves even to this day. Uh, and she'll, you know, she'll watch anything, vampires, uh, zombie films, whatever. But werewolves, even to this day, she's she cringes on anything like that when it pops up on the screen. Um, and it's all because of uh, Michael Jackson's thriller, the original video from back in the 80s. Yeah. And, and seeing you know the whole full-length thriller video, the dancing zombies and whatnot, she's okay with and all that. But the very young very young uh mrs Sai, she was freaked out by the whole changing to the werewolf thing and it stuck with her all these decades later she still has a hatred of werewolves in general and it all stems from from that it's, it's funny how the the mind works sometimes isn't it yeah it is um again it's not something i'm particularly uh scared of uh but i can see why you would be i mean to be fair she may she should have been more scared of michael jackson than the werewolf. Well, yes. yes. <laughs> oh, I just want to state for still, so we don't get freaking cancelled or sued or anything like that. These are all allegations. We don't know anything about what allegedly. actually went on. Allegedly. 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 <laughs> um, moving on, before we start talking about nonces and other such things, yet again, this is a wrestling podcast, people, believe it or not. <laughs> um ricky and clive wrestling show at ricky and clive on twitter yeah, clive has. clive has messaged in saying 100 percent convinced freddy krueger was under his bed or around the next corner etc in his house um and then he says also moths fuck moths so that spiked my curiosity a little bit so i asked him why moths why are you scared of moths uh and clive responded that his sister's friend yawned once and whilst yawning a moth flew in her gob and she swallowed it. Oh. And, she, and she was being sick for ages in the toilet afterwards. Um, and that night, it changed his life forever, he says, with a and single they, tear rolled down his cheek. And they leave that horrible kind of shiny film as well, so that would have been stuck in her throat for, uh, for ages. Yeah. Uh, moths, uh, they, they're not frightening, they're annoying, I think. Mm. Uh, maybe Clive's just a wimp. Who knows? They're just... They're just brain butterflies, aren't they? Yeah, pretty much. Like like an Aldi version of a butterfly. Mm. Perhaps it's like some, I don't know, perhaps in Scotland there's a big issue with butterfly racism or something. <laughs> he's just, and that's the, that's the real issue here. It's not that's that he's, what it is. Clab, you are intolerant to, you, to moths. You butterfly you racist. <laughs> the moffists. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, uh, the Interstate Wrestling Podcast at IS Wrestle Pod on Twitter. Silence of the Lambs. Oh, that's a great movie. That is, I love that. Yeah. Um, pulled a sickie from school and stuck the VHS uh, his parents had rented on whilst they were out. Freaked him out for months after. Well, to be fair, that's kind of your own fault. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Did and you learn wonder, your lesson? I wonder if he's ever eaten fava beans since. <laughs> oh that is such a good film man um at utt rob says that giant haystack scared him when he told him to fuck <laughs> oh, off <laughs> this story is brilliant i remember him telling me this on wow we watch it's a great story he uh isn't it he goes up to ask giant haystacks for a autograph yeah. and basically just told to fuck off as a young kid yeah. 
Yeah, but he'd gone he'd gone swimming with his uh, with his dad, I think, and they the they were having a wrestling show at the at the the the, the swimming centre, uh, and he saw Jake Hastings led uh, on one of the the like, the benches in the in the changing rooms, so he he went to to ask him for an autograph, and he he got soundly told to fuck off. Now, I mean, that in itself isn't that scary, but when you're looking at a a perhaps 600-pound hairy man uh, telling you to fuck off and you're a little kid, it gets a little bit more worrying. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, All the way from Australia again, we have Mr. Mangle messaging us. Um, Chris Mangle, at Mangle underscore Chris. Planet of the Apes and Rent-A-Ghost. Now, obviously, Rent-A-Ghost, we mentioned last week um, that me and you didn't really have massive memories of. But Planet of the Apes, I can understand why they could be a bit freaky, to be fair. Hmm. I, I, I mean, yeah, I can understand the fact that it's humans in the form of apes. Mm. But I, I, I can't get my head around it being something I'd be petrified about. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I suppose yeah, I my mum don't like stuff like that. She she thinks they're creepy, horrible looking things. Uh, anamorphic creatures. Mm, yeah, Robocop as well. My mum hates Robocop. Like a proper freaks are right. Well, then you should uh, emancipate yourself from her because Robocop is one of the best films ever made. So I don't agree with her one little bit there. <laughs> when um <laughs> it's quite it's quite a big joke in my family that my mum doesn't like robocop and it is like the, the sort of plodding robotic movements and you know i suppose he could be a bit creepy in some in some way i guess my mum just doesn't like it is the way it is um the, my wife and i have been together now oh i don't know 12 13 years potentially the first christmas something like that. we've potentially been together that long <laughs> i'll do is mate no one's going to hear this anyway because i can't run the risk of her hearing this conversation i'm going to find out exactly how long and i'm going to edit this bit of the podcast out before it looks at. <laughs> <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah we've been together 12 years i think um the first Christmas we were together, the wife was coming over for a bit to i was, I was back living at our mum's and she was coming over for a few hours christmas day afternoon early evening and whatnot and i was effectively as close as i potentially could be like 99 percent of the way there of convincing my new girlfriend who was meeting my parents for one of the earlier times in our in our life together that robocop was actually my mum's favorite film and she'd worn out her videotape and could she buy a new v uh, a new do- uh, dvd for her <laughs> knowing that my mum I- she rocked up and gone hi hi mama sir um, I've got you a present, and it's Robocop. Oh, mate! I don't wow. actually know why that why that worked out that she didn't do it. I think my little sister might have tipped her off that she didn't do it. But yeah, it's a shame that didn't happen. Never mind. That would have been fun. It would have. It would have. Um, Chris Puncher at Lord Penicus, P I N I C U S Penicus. Evil, eh? Chris Puncher. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I struggle with this, Max. Um, he says, Phantasm. Only the first one. Couldn't watch it till he was like 20. I'm not really sure what that is. Okay, so Phantasm was, uh, if I remember rightly, it was this old, like, scary-looking bloke, and he controlled these metal balls that could fly about, and they'd, they'd like, have little blades that pop out of them, and they'd, they'd, they'd like, kill you, and they'd slash you up and stuff like that. Yeah. 
Right, I'll have to see that. Hey, he did send a little video of one of these flying metal balls, or so, yeah. somebody. Anyway, so yeah, yeah. I, I think there's about there's maybe like four or five um, um, like versions of the film. Um, so yeah, um, like classic kind of eighties, nineties style horror. Mm. Um, a lot, qu- quite along the lines of uh, maybe uh, like uh, Hellraiser style. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. At Jelly Pickle J says, knowing Freddy could kill me in my dreams made it really hard for him to sleep. And knowing that Chucky made him think his toys would come alive and kill him in his sleep. He watched both films when he was 10. Uh, hadn't Wasn't able to sleep peacefully until he was older than 11. <laughs> oh, I mean, th- watching those type of films at 10 will do that to you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's They have that age gardens for a reason you're not you're meant to be able to uh separate the the fiction of that from the the reality uh but yeah i can see how chucky chucky especially was uh was a very scary film mm, yeah right i um ben on twitter at ben di jim the Charlie Says information videos. See, they were a bit odd, weren't they? The voice really grated me. Mm-hmm. If you remember the sort of cartoony... It was all like road safety and stuff like that, wasn't yeah. it? Those sort of things. For me, it's not even Charlie's voice. It's the cat. Charlie says that if ever you see a box of matches lying around, tell Mummy because they can hurt you. That just sounds like Lemmy, though, to be fair. He makes that noise all the time. (laughs) He jumps up on the kitchen side, and then he stands up on his back legs and puts his front legs on the cupboard. So he's like, you know, he's level with my head at this stage, and I'm six foot tall, and meows at the cupboard door until I get stuff out for him to eat. He's a prick, and he sounds just like that. And ironic that your cat has no concept of road safety whatsoever. Do you know what? I didn't even think of that. That is so true. Oh, we need to start doing like information videos. Lemmy says. <laughs> yeah. oh, Lemmy know. says, yeah. right in the middle of the road until the cars come. Meow, yeah. meow, meow, meow. <laughs> um, oh, I'm really happy to see this one. Ben also gives a shout out to the Daleks scaring him when he was a kid. As a big geek into all my time travel nonsense and Doctor Who and all that, the Daleks, I love seeing that other people were scared of them. I, I I don't like the fact that my kids, their age, kind of fell into a big time of, well, especially my older ones, of when Doctor Who wasn't being shown. Yeah. Or it wasn't as scary as it once was. So they didn't really get scared by Doctor Who. And I think every kid, every kid growing up in Britain especially, is a rite of passage that some days you get scared by something on Doctor Who, you know? Yeah, the I mean, for as good as the, the more recent Doctor Whos have been, and they have been good in in terms of production and, and entertainment. Yeah, there's nothing that really stands out as properly scary about them anymore. Nah, nah. Um, Box of Delights. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I have no idea. Is that is that like Turkish delight? I like Turkish delights. Oh, the Box uh, of Delights apparently was a. a a TV, a BBC TV adaptation of John Maysfield's children's fantasy novel. Uh, okay. 
Yeah, I have never, ever, ever heard of that. No, nor me. Sounds interesting. Um, oh, I mean, I've got some of the pictures up, and it's, it looks kind of like the, the box from Hellraiser. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, perhaps it's that, then. Perhaps it's something to do with the Hellraiser films. Ben, well, if you... It's a kid's show, so I, I, would, oh, right. I would hopefully not. <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> ben clear that one up for us mate tweet tweet back into the show at chain underscore wrestling uh clear that one up for us mate let us know exactly what the box of delights was and what it was about it that sort of freaked you out um he was also he's written in here he was scared of shirley from eastenders um but he's written zelda from terror hawks but it's the same person isn't it yeah um and watership dying isn't that just like rabbits I mean the story. I mean it's pretty gruesome. If you watch that as a kid, when you see the rabbits like get uh, get killed, there's a lot of blood in there. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll give that a miss then. <laughs> I've, just, I've just looked up this uh, the box of delights, and one of the 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 main stars is uh, Patrick uh, Troughton, the former ah, Doctor. Doctor Who link, excellent stuff. Was he the second Doctor? Up, yeah, he was the second Doctor. Yeah, he, he took over in, what, 66, 67-ish? This, um, this was released in 84. Yeah, because I think he was dead by, well, he was dead by sort of 87, 88, I think, Patrick Trayton, wasn't he? I'm not 100% sure, but, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, Antisocial Butterfly, at Dustin B underscore 12 on Twitter. Another shout-out for Freddie. Excellent stuff. Um <laughs> Poltergeist, yeah, that's a creepy movie. That, is. especially yeah. when you realise like loads of people who were involved in the making of these films, bad things happened to them, didn't they? You know, in in very suspicious circumstances, yeah. Mm. Uh, and just knowing that you could be watching TV and something come out and attack you, yeah, that's definitely terrifying. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I've got two left, Mags. I've got two left. Okay. Um, and I've left these two till last because I find them the most intriguing, to be fair. Uh, and it shows, again, how the human mind works, especially when you're little uh, and you see certain things on television. Because these are things that, you know, people can get scared of anything when you're little. Of course you can. Mm-hmm. Um, however, these two, you look at and you, as an adult and you think, not 100% sure about that. Mm-hmm. Uh We'll go first of all with at five nerds go. Yes. And the first nightmare, it says here, my first nightmare was the thought of being that guy on the car. And basically what he's attached here is a picture of the Spice Girls in a blue sports car from one of their videos. I'm not sure which song that is actually, but I will, I will tweet it out again when the show comes out so people can see the image as well and they've got a guy tied to the top of the car with some ropes and so on he says he was five not the happy thirsty lad i am today i'm assuming then it's going to be say you'll be there yes that does sound about right yeah looking at the video um but yeah he was he had nightmares at five years of age about being tied to the roof of a car by the spice girls okay five yeah you can understand it i mean it is terrifying but say that 16 you'd be more than happy to be tied to a, uh, a car and took off as a, as a prize by the spice girls i would have thought yeah yeah oh baby spice mate was all, who's your favorite spice girl mugs i used to like ginger spice did you yeah yeah no i think she was like my second favorite baby spice was always my favorite yeah who was, I, your, I who was your least favorite um i don't know I weren't a massive fan of Posh, to be honest, because I always thought she was a bit too skinny. 
Yeah, um, for me it was ironically probably the the most talented in terms of singing. For me, it was Sporty Spice. Right. Okay. See, I liked her because when I got to a certain age, or 16, 17, 18 or whatever, they were still knocking around then. Yeah. I thought you, I thought you can go for a point with her. Yeah, I mean that. You know? Yeah, she'd be a good mate. She'd go on game with, you, like, go and watch football with you. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. We should drop this line of com- conversation anyway. <laughs> yeah, we, we've just borderline creeper. Yeah, we've just like you know added a female listener by to our show we don't want to scare them all off by being cringy horrible old men talking about which spice girl we you know is our favorite um <laughs> yeah so the next option or next suggestion and i suppose this is the one you've been waiting for my friend mm. our good buddy paul tolly at rain counter on twitter well, um, after this take I, I don't know if we could still be buddies no. No. Is it that bad? Has it shocked you that much? <laughs> to my very core. I mean, he's he's always had horrific takes. Like this this is a guy who he eats stock cubes as a snack. Um, yeah. This is a guy who's uh scared of crisps. Scared he, of crisps. He won't eat crisps because they, they hurt his gums. Yeah, I remember you saying that he won't eat crisps because they hurt. I think he's actually scared of it. But I suppose if they hurt, yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Yeah, so it's, it's not exactly full of, of good takes, but this may be the most ridiculous one he's ever come up with. So he doesn't like crisps. Does he have like, things like poor scratchings or um you know, Ironically, or ironically for, for Badlands, we were in uh, talks uh, with a pork scratching company for a sponsorship deal just before COVID hit, uh, and that went tits up. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I, I dare say he wouldn't like pork scratching. He once said to me that he doesn't enjoy uh, food. He's he. It's just a way to get fuel in his body, which baffles me because if there's one thing about food is that you can enjoy it. Mm. Yeah, that is a bit. That, that does seem a bit strange. Well, <laughs> um, he is Welsh. It, his scary take from when he was younger. He says, a "Bully from Bullseye terrified him. Genuinely terrified him." Oh dear, dear, dear! He would hide behind the sofa on the rounds. He would moo when people got a wrong answer. Okay, and for our American uh, listeners. This was a, a, a Sunday evening light entertainment game show based around darts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bully, obviously, the playoff, uh, the, the bulls are, the middle of the dartboard. And it was a cartoon bull that would, it would snort when you got a, an answer wrong. Or if you were on, if there was a, a, a question about spelling, he'd walk across the bottom of the screen with a dictionary, flipping the pages. Um, he was a, a lovely, light-hearted uh, bull. And if you failed at the game, uh, you would at least get a bendy buller uh, kind of like statue as a prize. Uh, I can't understand how in any way, shape or form a, a sane human could be scared of a cartoon bull. He even drove the bus to take the the take the the viewers to the shore. It was it was that that kind hearted of a bull. He was a proper stand up part of the community, wasn't he, buddy? Yeah, he was a bull amongst bulls. Mm. Yeah, that's it. Do you remember? Did you see they did um one of these remakes of these like old game shows recently? Um, with uh, on, oh. Alan Carr. I saw it on Gogglebox. Uh, we we want to actually wanted to watch the Bullseye one, but uh, 
we we did end up seeing that. So we saw the the prices, right? You know where you have to come on down and yeah. you spin the wheel and you get the the yodeling, yodeling, and it drops off the end. Yeah, we saw that one. Um, it was fun for what it was. I didn't at all. I think they they messed around with the formula a little bit too much, but I don't mind Alan Carr. No, that's it. That's it. The balls I won, I did watch. Um, I, I, you know, I just happened to be on. The wife had it on. I caught it. Like I ended up sitting down and watching the whole thing. And um, my daughter and I, my middle daughter, our lives, we we both play a bit of darts, and she sat there watching this this bullseye program. She's going, they're all rubbish, mm-hmm. and I'm watching what they're doing and what they're missing, and I'm thinking she would literally win everything. She's you know for a 13 year old, she's well 14. She is now. Sorry, she's really good at darts. You know she's she's practiced she's played darts for years and some of the sections like the one at the end when they got to hit the red and stare at the black um and is it you don't get a prize for two in the same bed or something like that they say yeah yeah she'd murder that because you're not you've got like a whole massive section to 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 win these prizes she'd have bought us home a new tease made and all sorts mate (laughs) i saw some of the prizes that that would that for me was used to be the best part of bulls are you the your team would have a win like a a fitted kitchen or a speedboat or a car between two people who weren't related. They were just like mates who knocked around the pub. One were fairly good at darts. One was meant to be the the, the intelligent one answering the questions. Uh, but the prizes were always something they'd have to share. But I don't know how you would work that out. Yeah. Let's see what you've won. Oh, it's a speedboat. Oh, yeah. cheers, Jim. Oh, I live in a freaking flat in Dudley, you bastard. <laughs> what am I going to do with that? <laughs> I remember one time they had a, a one team won a car, and because they weren't related and they had other families, they, they actually came on a few weeks later and they'd, they'd sewn the car in half. Like, with, uh, so one family got the front half and one family got the, the, the back half. That seems a bit silly. Why don't they just sell the car and like split the money? Exactly. That was that was always what I would have done. Even the fitted kitchen, saying, "Nah, I don't, I don't want like a, a cupboard and then a washer, and you get the the the, the uh, dishwasher and the sink. I'd rather just sell the lot and split the split the proceeds." I didn't even think of that when they got like a whole kitchen kit out. Basically, one person's having a kitchen, or they're splitting stuff. That's weird. I mean, it it makes it makes you actually not want to go for the main prize. Just have a good day. Taking the money, let Jim count it out at the during the break, and away you go. You get your yeah. tankard, you get your bendy buller, and you get like seventy five pounds in in pound notes. He'd stand there, didn't he? And go, have you had a good time? Have you had a good? Like you know? he pulled it out of his own back pocket, though. That was the best thing. He'd pull the money out yeah. of his back pocket, lick his finger, and he'd be like five, ten, fifteen, and count out all your winnings here. You don't get game shows like that anymore. Uh, he came to eight like some kind of really old, lechy, sexist, racist drug dealer, wouldn't he? You know, just came to like allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Obviously, the wonderful Jim Bowen no longer with us. So here we are again, insulting the dead. Aren't we fantastic? God's <laughs> sake! Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's all of our all of our scary takes there then mag so yet again thank you to absolutely everybody for interacting with the show it is brilliant you lot make the show um really even paul even paul with his ridiculous fear of a cartoon bull yeah yeah you know obviously when he listens back to this episode he's gonna be 
terrified at some stage because there's going to be random bully noises inserted here and there. And <laughs> That'd be brilliant. And I'm not going to say where. They're just going to pop up. <laughs> um, despite the entertainment Tolly and his silly bull takes have given us, uh, I'm going I'm to steal a little line from yourself last week, Mags, and I'm going to say Lisa is our wrestler, uh, wrestler of the week. Lisa is our listener of the week this week. Messaging in, first time messaging in, brilliant stuff, keep it up, and Jaws was an awesome shout because I 100% go along with that, and I remember my leg hanging out the bed and waking up and, and pulling it back under the covers thinking, even though I was in the upstairs bedroom in a semi-detached house in Long Levens in Gloucester, nowhere near any water. That shark was going to bite my bloody ankles. So <laughs> there oh, we go. Mom, I'm not having a bath for school. Yeah. I'll get yeah. eaten by the shark. Exactly. <laughs> uh, shall we talk some wrestling, mate? Let's go for it. Yeah, because we are. An, only podcast. almost an hour into the podcast. Hey, and we're finally getting to the wrestling. On my clock here, mate, it's just ticking into 51 minutes. That's early for us. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, we, we could go on uh, and, and give our picks, I suppose. I mean, because I have got... I, I wasn't really frightened of, of a lot. I mean, the stuff made me jump and, like, you'd, you'd, like, be worried about stuff, I suppose. But there were one thing that really does stand out. Um, and it's going to be a, a ridiculous pole style take as well, unfortunately. So I've slagged him off. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm going to deserve the, the the fallout for it. So I had a I had a, an auntie who, um, yeah, she was not always the the nicest person. She was quite grumpy a lot of the time, uh, but she looked very much like uh, a certain character for TV program. So do you know of, well, obviously you, you will know Rod Hull and Emu. Yeah. Okay. And they, uh, in the eighties, they were huge, uh, in forms of entertainment. Obviously everyone will remember the Michael, uh, Michael Aspel where he, he was attacked by Emu. Yep. Um, but they had their own show, uh, and it was on, uh, I think it was on our TV. Uh, and there was a certain character on there, uh, the kind of like uh, the antagonist, I suppose, uh, a witch called uh, called Grotbags. Yeah, green face, <laughs> uh, moles on a on a face, all wrinkly, and she was the spitting image of of my auntie. Was uh, was not always the nicest person, so I was always uh, scared of of Grotbags. Hang on, hang on, wasn't Grotbags green? Yeah, well, my auntie, it was like my auntie played grot bags, but like had to make up up for her. Oh, okay. So your auntie wasn't green then. Okay, right. That I mean, that would be enough to terrify anybody if you had a yeah. green auntie rocking up. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I was. There's questions was, to answer there, isn't there? If you've got family members that are green. Yeah, I mean, you may want to stay away from them. Yeah. <laughs> they are infected. Wasn't it um, grot bags? Um, I might be thinking of something different here, but like they'd, they'd be in the house doing stuff and then there'd be a knock at the door and they'd all go, there's somebody at the door. Yeah, there's somebody at the door. There's somebody at the door. And they'd open it and it'd be grot bags and they'd all be like, oh no, it's her again. And I was just like, I've never been a kid and thinking, look out the fucking window. <laughs> Do you know, just don't open the fucking door. Look out the window. If it's grot bags, don't let her in. Do you know what I mean? TV. Yeah. Yeah. What a brilliant <laughs> idea. Oh, mate. <laughs> yeah, I was fr- I was frightened of grot bags, and uh, obviously my auntie. This deep rooted 
like fear of my anti support from that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. My wife changed um, my mother-in-law's profile picture on Facebook to crop bags once, and she was like, just as a joke, but she was really, really cross because she was on holiday at the time and couldn't change it back for a week. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, good times. <laughs> Uh, you got any more Magsy mate or is it just your green auntie that scared you yeah that's the only one that I can really remember like I said I, there was stuff that that um, I would, would be like worried about but not that really sticks in my mind like I, I had years and years of nightmares because of them but yeah mm. just just mangly old grot bags yeah mine was literally like I said the Cybermen and um, there was one other thing that did terrify me and that was uh I, I don't know. It's, it's really popular now. Is it called manga or an, anime or anime? Oh, or yeah. Okay. Well, like Japanese robot cartoons. Yeah, like manga, anime, kind of the cartoony kind of Japanese Asian efforts, you know? Yep. Um, and it was back in the days when you had you had video shops. So I used to go down the video shop with my mum or my auntie would sometimes take me. Um, she wasn't green. And um, <laughs> she'd be... <laughs> And you know, I'd rent a vid, a wrestling tape if there was any there, or like, the old Superman I'd rent as, uh, sorry, Spider Man I'd rent. And there was this Japanese cartoon video that I was like really intrigued. It looked awesome, you know. Um, eventually, I convinced whoever was with me. It probably would have been my auntie, to be fair, to allow me to watch this one. But it was like a fifteen or something like that. So they were really reluctant to let me watch it because I was much much younger than that. I kept nagging every time we go down there and I'd always walk away or something else. Eventually the one time they, they gave in and let me have this, this video. Um, and the, I, I, I watched it all the way through, even though I was absolutely shitting myself the whole time because I, I didn't want to be that not watching it after this, you know, stink I've been kicking up for weeks trying to get this tape, you know, with us to, to be able to watch it. Um, and I finally given my opportunity. I watched it all the way through, even though I was terrified. And there was one scene in particular where this thing, I don't even know what it was, like a person or a robot or something, turned into this massive blobby thing, and it kept expanding and sucking people and houses and everything into itself. And, oh, my God, mate, I was so freaking scared of that. That terrified me so bad. I mean, it, it sounds terrifying. I, I, I don't know what anything about it, but uh, it does sound like quite worrying. I'm going to have to try and look it up so I can find it and... Mm-hmm. I'll put it out there for the good people in Twitterland to have a listen to and see if, uh, or have a look at and see if, uh, see if it rings a bell of what film it was or if it was supposed to be scary. It might have been the good guy. It might have been something really good happening in the film, but it, but it just scared the crap out of me. You know, it's, <laughs> but that and the Cybermen, that that was the two that terrified the hell out of me, mate. Yeah, I mean, I've already given you grief over your Cybermen one, so I, <laughs> I can't, I can't give you much more grief about it. No, fair enough, fair enough. Um, shall we now get to some wrestling mags? Now we are pretty much on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, now we've got that hour out of the way, let's do it. Hello, brother. This is NWA WCW Enhancement Talent, Randy Hogan, baby. Being in the ring with the Road Warriors, Vader, Abdul the Butcher, Midnight Express and all them guys. Let me tell you, it was dang rough. But not as rough as listening to Cyan Mags on that chain wrestling show, brother. What you gonna do when this pair of fools, Cy Mag and Chain Wrestling Brother, runs wild on you? 
Okay. Um, with a considering there were three options on the poll for the first time ever, I think it was sixty-one percent, which is a whopping amount of well, a whopping portion of the votes. Um, your selection won, my friend, and we went back to twenty eighteen to watch Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch um, at the Evolution pay-per-view, the all-women's pay-per-view that the WWE put on at this time. Um, it comes from the NASA Volunteers, sorry, Veterans Memorial Coliseum in New York. Um, it was originally broadcast October the 28th, 2018, and around 10 and a half, 11,000 were in attendance. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first time I have watched any of this pay-per-view back since the day it happened. And I'll be honest, I completely forgot this match even happened. I completely forgot it existed until you put it on the poll. Yeah. Um, I watched it back. I couldn't remember who won until the, the, the decision happened. Um, and I think on the whole, I enjoyed it, mate, but there's also quite a few things I didn't like about it. How, how did you find it watching it back for the first time in however long? Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm the same as you. Uh, I remember watching the event live and remember thinking it was one of the best events that WWE had, had put on in, in a long, long time. Uh, but it's also one that I've, I've, I've not really gone back and, and visited and, and that's a shame really to, uh, to say how many really good matches were actually on this card. Uh, but yeah, getting to this match, it's, 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 uh, got many, many plaudits. Um, uh, I think it's rated at like four and four and a half or something like that on Dave Meltzer's scale. Um, I thought it was a really good match, but I think it also highlighted, um, some weaknesses in, uh, in Becky Lynch's, uh, in ring work. um, yeah, it, it just, and the end for me, it, I think that's what really took me away from it. The way the match ends, I think it, it ends on a whimper, mm. if you understand what I mean. I mean, we'll, we'll get to it, but yeah, it's uh, I remember it being better than I actually thought that it was. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of this stipulation anyway most most people who know know me or have heard me talk about last man standing or last woman standing in this instance on any other podcasts know that i'm really not a big fan of uh this stipulation i find it it, i find it more it must be more difficult to create the sort of suspense i guess that you would get from a near fall the one two kick out sort of thing um with a 10 count and I think either way, it, it, it it's a hindrance because if you have the, the wrestler starting to move at six, seven, and then getting to their feet at nine, you can see they're getting up at six, seven, and so that takes it away from it. Yeah, the, yeah, the, I understand. the other side, the other side of that is if they lie there motionless, completely out of it until nine, and then jump up as as though you're throwing it, it your shoulder ridiculous. up. It looks ridiculous. So to me, I'm not a huge fan. Whenever we see these kind of stipulations booked in any match unless they come up with a real creative way of keeping somebody dying like when they dumped a load of stuff on top of um who was it that cm punk not sorry CM, uh, john cena pulled all the chairs down on top of that was the last was one it, standing was it not kane might well yeah they had at trc wasn't it all the chairs hanging from the ceiling and he pulled them and they all fell down and crushed him down and kept his opponent that, that kind of makes sense or if you're tying someone's feet 
down so they can't get up that kind of that would that, to me that's quite a creative way of getting around the stipulation yeah. just to have a big bump and then the count of 10 I, I find that takes me away from it so i always find it more difficult to get as excited mags if that makes sense yeah, I can I can totally understand that, and yeah, you do make a lot of sense, especially with the 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 kind of like moving on on five, six, seven. You you can you can you can telegraph that this isn't going to be the end. Uh, but I mean, saying that, fair play to uh, to the girls in this, they, they they had that for the end, and it still ended up being uh, the ten count. So they kind of like flipped that on on its head. But all in all, yeah, I do agree with you. For me, I, I enjoy it because it's. Uh, it's like the blow off. It's like a, a feud that's gone through multiple different kinds of matches to where uh, you need one uh, big end of a of, of a feud, and uh, if you can kick your opponent down for ten seconds, you 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 can say that you've truly beaten them, I suppose. So uh, with this and with like the build up to it um, and the matches that have come before and the and the swapping and changing of the titles and stuff like that, I think that it needed something like this. And plus this was the first ever, uh, women's, uh, last man standing match in, in the WWE. So it kind of made sense that it would be these two people were, were in that match. Yeah, I, I understand. I understand. I just always prefer, I mean, if, if you need to go outside the ring to do all these stunts and these crazy moves with the tables and the chairs and so, which is fine. Like, like you said, you need a big, a big blow off at the end of a feud. I fully understand that. I think you can do it with, I don't know, just stating no DQ, force count anywhere. And then you still get the one to kick out situation. I felt the same with regards to Edge versus Randy Orton. Um, when they had their match, that just seemed to go on for half of my life. Was that a WrestleMania? Yeah. 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 The, the one where they wrestled on top of the trucks. Yeah. Yeah. Now, again, there was, <laughs> there was some great moments in that match. Don't get me wrong. But, the fact that you weren't going for pinfalls really took away from it for me. And I find the same here, especially towards the end. I mean, we'll come to the finish and the false finishes in a moment, but especially towards the end, because there were moments that did not make sense. There was no consistency from say one minute to the next with regards to that. And that kind of really took me out of it as well. Um, but at the beginning of the match, some one note I've got here is uh, I really miss Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she's an absolute star, isn't she? She's she for me. She's the the most charismatic of the four horsewomen. Uh, she's the one that's so easy to get behind and and support. But she's got a, a huge dichotomy for me because I think she maybe is the weakest wrestler of the four. Okay, if you understand what I mean. I think Charlotte uh, and perhaps Sasha are one A and one B in terms of actual in ring talent. I think Bailey's not that far behind, and I think there may be a quite a gap between the in ring talent of those three and and Becky. But Becky um, has proved that it's not always about how you can perform in the ring and doing like all this uh, amazing technical wrestling. You need to have a character and. Mm-hmm. She has made, uh, she's become the biggest uh, star in women's wrestling for a long time in wrestling in general on that, that likability, on that character. I mean, going into this match, she was meant to be the heel. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was something I was going to bring out. Yeah, people, they were desperately t- wanting her to be booed, weren't they? WWE were. If you remember yeah. when she did the, the the SmackDown show where she was turning on the fans and saying they were never behind her, they couldn't get that over 
uh, if they tried that a million times because those fans loved Becky for it, and they were even to a point where they were they were booing themselves as fans because they uh, they felt that Becky uh, um, wasn't feeling their respect for them. And then what was it? A week later, they they flipped it back, and she was back being the face again. Um, yeah, this it just shows how how much uh, character work, how much uh, uh, charisma uh, meant to a lot of wrestling fans. And the, the the biggest shame is that we've never got a second evolution because of it. Yeah, I was going to bring that up as well. Um, I can understand why why people would want a second evolution. And I'm on board with that as well. I don't see a reason wrestling-wise as to why we shouldn't. They got They got... Uh, the WWE have got a great roster there, especially with the NXT UK division, the NXT itself, ladies division there. So many talented women, they could easily fill a pay-per-view and, and not have to rely as much on sort of older faces coming back as they did with the first ladies rumble. And there's um, a few retired people coming back for this show here. They've got a roster there of enough ladies to fill a show. But on the other side of the coin, it didn't sell well, did it? It and I was- think... I think it's it's still down as one of the lowest uh, viewed WWE pay-per-views of all time. Mm. Yeah, and I mean the, the crowd was you know just shy of eleven thousand. I think it was. I read. What did I see? Let me have a quick look. Yeah, ten thousand nine hundred is listed online. It, from what I remember, and again, I'm going. This is a couple of years. Well, three years ago now. I'm trying to sort of hark back to that time. From what I remember, there was reports of tickets still being available on, on the day. The day. Yeah. still being available literally hours before the show and it didn't sell out the arena and you can notice this in certain moments in this match when both wrestlers are dying and the referee's doing his 10 count the camera kind of spans around a little bit and you can see how poorly lit it is in certain areas mm-hmm. and that's a really old well an old jim crockett promotions trick but also an old wwe trick to not sort of light up the parts of the uh parts of the arena where there could be potentially hundreds of empty seats Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 that's it, again. It's a, a huge dichotomy because you see on social media, especially in wrestling Twitter, people crying out for 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 more women's wrestling. I mean, the, there's been a lot of talk this week, and I think Mick Foley kind of pushed it uh, for WWE to have a women's only brand uh, because if they don't, AEW are going to take that ball and run with it. But the the fact the facts are that they're not. They, they wouldn't be watched if they if you put the a women's only show on it 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 doesn't seem like it would get the views because this show uh, was done to placate a lot of fans and those fans who who cried out for it they didn't come and watch it it's a it's it's a really it's really sad that that it that that happened I would love to watch a, a second uh, evolution I'd love to watch a, an all women's wrestling show it would show how far the wrestling world has come that these these women can stand alone and and have their own space rather than be kind of like five minutes in a three hour uh, raw but unfortunately. WWE is a business, and as much as we we uh, don't like it, the fact is, if if something isn't going to make money, they're not going to do it. Exactly, exactly. And I, I want to make sure as well that people fully understand that we're not here, sort of kicking women's wrestling. I guess would absolutely be absolutely not. We're absolutely not, not. We're not here saying we don't want this, we don't want that. Um, 
I'm very much in favour of an Evolution 2, I suppose, or another all-women's pay-per-view. The title is irrelevant to me, I guess. Um, I, I would be honest, if you've got your own TV network, which they have, their own online network, they can produce content as much as they like. Mm-hmm. You know, why couldn't you do an hour of a weekly show of the ladies on their own? You know, but still feature them on Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and so on. Just give them an hour, you know, because if they're only getting five, ten minutes on a three-hour Raw, you could then use some of those moments to to show highlights packages, to highlight the ladies' show. Um, Those who want to watch women's wrestling to that level can seek it out and find it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I agree with you, Max. It's, It's a business, and these arenas cost money. The advertising costs money. The showing a pay-per-view costs money and all these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, even some as straightforward as the security for the arena, whatever it's all, it's all a business. Now I know there's people online, some people I'm very fond of and very friendly with and other people I'm, I'm not particularly fond of who really trumpet women's wrestling and women and an evolution too and so on. But I think people do need, and again, I'm not shitting on it in any way, shape or form, but I think people do need to have a dose of reality put to them. This featured at the time, the biggest names WWE had to offer and WWE is the biggest wrestling company in the world. Whether people like it or not, that's the way it is. You had Becky Lynch, you had Charlotte Flair, you had Trish Stratus coming back, you had Lita coming back, you had all this. You had, and then in the, you had in the Ronda Rousey on the yeah, show. I was going to say, yeah, in the main event, you had Nikki Bella and Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey, who at the time was the biggest female draw in, in this kind of, I suppose, combat sport stroke entertainment sort of niche. Yeah. And it didn't draw. It didn't draw. It doesn't matter how many people go, well, yeah, what about this one? No, it didn't draw. That's the way it is. Now, you've got these companies in Japan that are all all female companies, haven't you? Whole promotions that are literally just all ladies, aren't they? These Japanese companies. It's uh, Shimmer is one, I believe, isn't it? Yep. Uh, yeah. Shimmer, uh, Stardom, uh, Ass Ribbon. Yeah. And I, I, I've seen clips. I've not, I, I'm in no position to judge the in-ring action or whatever in any way shape or form but that in itself shows to me that maybe it's not a big enough deal because if something is that good it inevitably becomes it inevitably comes across my radar because i'm a big wrestling fan i'm open-minded i'm always looking for other things to watch so if it was that big a deal that much of an attraction I would like to think I would have the option to view it or have had my head turned that way a little bit earlier than I, than I did. Now, to me, again, it comes back to, I think women's wrestling is decades behind men's wrestling in the way that they draw money. I'm not in any way, shape or form saying quality of matches or standard or anything like that. I'm just thinking that the, the pub, the general public, the fan base, especially in America, the fan base, in America and where they want to spend their money and where they want to watch women's wrestling is a couple of decades behind where men's wrestling is. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, uh, 
in 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 Japanese culture, the 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 women's wrestling is is very much on par with some of the biggest uh, male wrestling uh, companies, with the likes of uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, All Japan. Um, maybe not as 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 popular as as uh, New Japan, but it's certainly a huge huge market there. Um, it it just doesn't translate uh, as well to the American audience. And I think that uh, a lot of it is, is is kind of what you've said, that their uh, women's wrestling is so far down on the on the entertainment ladder for the majority of, of American wrestling fans that uh, it just doesn't get a look in. But yeah, what, exactly. But what this particular pay-per-view proved uh, to me, and it's something that I'd, I'd always kind of known, uh, but I think this kind of hammered the point home, was that for all... Uh, the the loud voices in uh, wrestling social media, it proved that we are still a tiny, tiny fraction of the actual um, the actual wrestling watching population. Because if you went on wrestling social media around this time, and even even uh, over the past week or so, it's chock a block full of people clamouring for women's wrestling. The general population didn't buy this pay per view. They didn't watch this pay per view. So it shows that maybe whilst we as a as a community uh, would want more women's pay per view, in general, maybe not so much. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And again, it comes back to being a business. And you're going to get those people who are, who who maybe aren't open minded. They think their opinion is worth more than everyone else's, um, and that's the nature of the beast on, on wrestling Twitter, I think, isn't it? Who just like to have us like to slag off WWE just cause it's WWE, but slag off Vincent Mann just cause it's Vincent Mann. Mm-hmm. Now, if there was money to be made, he would be making that money. Yes. Absolutely. It's not, it's not about, Oh, they've all been booked badly. That's not the case. That, that's not the case. Cause that's something that you see. That's an argument you see online. People, Oh yeah, well they're only given 10 minutes on raw. Yeah, okay, that's disgusting. It's a three-hour show. But at the same time, if, if those segments on Raw are, are not rated very well when, when the numbers come through during the week, they're not going to re- reproduce it again and again. Mm-hmm. You know? You had um, the all-women's... Sorry, the, the women's uh, main event at WrestleMania around this time, didn't you? With Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and um, Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. Huge build-up going into that. Huge entrances for them all, and it really felt like a big deal. And I love that match; it was it was superb. But people were leaving. People left early. You had the same with Bianca Belair and um, Sasha Banks at WrestleMania this time around. People were leaving. Yeah. So, if the, the money—that's the signal that's being sent by the general public, not people on Twitter saying we want women's wrestling. The general public are sending that message of, mm-hmm. "Okay, we don't want to see this." Yeah. Or we're not interested in this. So there's no money there. If there's no money there, they're not going to do it. So you can't turn and go, they're, oh, yeah, but if you put them in the main events over and over again, people will start watching. No, it doesn't work that way. You know, this is not how things are done. Okay? If it's not drawn money, then they're not going to do it again. Unless they get some absolute star come in that takes over and makes it worthwhile trying. They're not going to do it. Ronda Rousey, to me, is the is the only name worthwhile of that level. And if um, if it wasn't for Ronda Rousey being involved, the women don't headline a WrestleMania. It's as as simple and clear as that. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, we had them obviously headline WrestleMania this year, but I think that's because it was two nights again, wasn't it? That was the only... <laughs> if it was one night, there was no way the women were going on last. Yeah. So... But there we go. That's uh, that's us putting the world to rights a little bit there, Mags. I think. Shall we, <laughs> Shall we actually talk about the match now? Yeah, let's actually talk about the match now. Yeah, okay. Um, Michael Cole early on says it's the first count of the match when it's actually the third occasion the referee is counting to ten. So <laughs> classic Michael Cole, or was it vintage Cole, as he says? Brilliant stuff. Vintage Maggle. Maggle uh, Cole. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, Becky gets out a kendo stick. Becky gets out a chair. Um, we get yeah. So, so, the, the the one thing that made me laugh about the 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 segment with the chairs. I mean, it was fun with them throwing all the chairs into the ring and stuff like that. But the crowd were was chanting for tables. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Becky grabs chairs, and then Charlotte grabs chairs, and they throw them into the ring. Yeah, um, that that made me chuckle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, they started off with some 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 good wrestling, some good exchanges, and which mm-hmm. you'd imagine they would because they know each other so well. As as Michael Cole points out in commentary, how many times they've wrestled each other and so on. Um, that was quite good. And then the weapons come out and the chairs come out, and as as you explained there, Mags, they're both either side of the ring throwing chairs into the ring, filling it up, and that's quite a cool visual. To be fair, um, yeah, lots of chairs are, are thrown in. Becky ends up getting suplexed onto them. At one stage, that looked very sore indeed. <laughs> yeah, and that, uh, then does it, doesn't Charlotte get slammed onto him as well? So the, the chairs come into play quite a few times. I think there's a urinage, uh onto the chairs as well. Yeah, that's um, right. So there's a lot of times when the, the chairs uh, come into play, which, I mean, if you're throwing 16, 17 chairs into a ring, you might as well use them. Yeah, otherwise you just look silly, don't you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um we then get to the table that the crowd are asking for. Yes. Uh, sets it up in the ring. And Charlotte, it's one of those Japanese tables. That just won't break. Yeah. Yeah. Charlotte goes for a moonsault off the top rope through the table. What? Putting Becky through the table. Sorry. Um, and she effectively misses the moonsault, don't she? She barely catches it. She, the ca- table she catches break. it with like a, a shoulders and a chest. Um, yeah. So she essentially pulls the table um, like, she tips it with uh, Becky on it and it looks so painful, but I mean, fair play to her. She went back up and, and went for uh, the, the three sixty cent on. Uh, and if you watch the replay of that, you can see where her back and her legs snap uh, when she makes contact with the table. Obviously the table goes through that time. So one uh, nil to Charlotte over the table, but yeah, the, it, that looked really, really painful. Yeah, that looked really bad, didn't it? That looked really, really uncomfortable. Um, we then get uh, uh, Charlotte Flair trying the figure four, which she then goes into the figure eight, as they call it, through the ladder. I yeah. don't get this. Yeah, I mean, it was a good visual. It was a cool visual. It was unique. Um, and I, I don't remember anybody doing anything quite like this before, but... I don't think the ladder added to the pain. It was just something cool to look at, I suppose. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. The note I've got here is it doesn't look any worse no. for for Becky. So, yeah, that's the thing. It's And it kind of looked a bit awkward when she was trying to put it on as well. Like She couldn't quite figure out which way to go yeah. and so the, on. 
the first time she attempted it, I think she was trying to thread both Becky's legs through different sections of the ladder and saw that that wouldn't work, stomped it a little, stomped on Becky a little bit and then uh, just threaded one leg through and one over the top of the, the ladder. Um, but it was a cool visual and you saw then uh, while she was doing that uh, uh, bridging into the, the figure eight that she got cut up from the table spot, I think, with it on her elbow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, um, she leaves as well, doesn't she, Becky? She tries to have a little wander off. Mm-hmm. Grabs her belt does. and grabs her belt, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm done, Tala." Um, bye bye. Yeah, <laughs> but um, Miss Flair follows her, and then we have a big chop fest in the crowd. Um, again, very carefully lit to not show the empty seats. I'm assuming, but it was chop over chop over chop over chop around the crowd before they head back towards the ring again. But they don't make it to the ring, Max, do they? They then start uh, having a little bit of fun with the announce tables. They certainly do. Charlotte ripping the announce table to bits, uh, slams Becky onto it. Um, then there's another spot with a, another ladder that uh, was was going to get used. Um, unfortunately, Charlotte... Uh, it's always the person who sets up the uh, the table or the ladder that ends up eating the, the, the table or the ladder. And, yep, Charlotte... Is put through the table with the uh, the huge kind of like double leg drop, which I thought was uh, a good spot. I, uh, I can see that really of hurting Becky just as much as it did with uh, with Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, I, I love a I love a great leg drop from height. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know why it's just a move that I've always really enjoyed. Like Jeff Hardy, sorry Matt Hardy used to do the leg drop from the middle rope, didn't he? And I always liked that. I always liked. Uh, Billy Guns from when he was in the smoking gun, I thought he was one of the best at it. Yeah. And I'm, go- I'm going back through, I've mentioned before, I'm going back through um, pay-per-views from the year 2000 with David Eaton on my other show, SJP. Mm-hmm. And we just keep chuckling because every time you see Bull Buchanan come to the ring, you see him do an insane leg drop off the top rope onto people. And it's just like, man, that was awesome. But he never went anywhere, did he, Bull Buchanan? But that, no. his leg drop from the top was spectacular. Are you are you not putting any respect on the name of B squared? B squared. How dare you? How dare? Oh you? yeah, we mentioned that, mate. We mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> um, on this occasion, with the big leg drop off the ladder through the announce table, Charlotte Flair doesn't get up before ten, and this is where I start to get my air off a little bit with, with how this is done. Mm-hmm. She's the referee's counting. You've got to be on your feet, haven't you? you? Or at least on one foot, it would seem, looking at the other pin, other, other times that they've been counted in this exact same match, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, I've got an issue with the finish, but we'll get to that anyway. Charlotte, Charlotte gets up onto her knees, but she's on all fours. She's crawling, and the referee stops the count. Mm-hmm. But earlier in the match, he carried on counting until she was on at least one foot. Yes, and that was the time when Becky uh, and Charlotte were both in the ring, both uh, out for the count, and there's a point where Becky's on nine, uh, the just not quite on her feet. Uh, the ref stops the count, and then she sits back down in the corner. Uh, now, when we get to the finish, um, obviously we're, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Uh, there's a there's a, a part where where Charlotte is on one foot. She's she's up. Uh, potentially so that count should have stopped mm. uh, and then she stumbles and, and then uh, the, the ref carries on so there was a lot of inconsistency with how the, the ref was counted and even with this spot it took about 
40 to 50 seconds for Becky to pile all the uh, the the parts of the, the chairs and the tables all over Charlotte. Um, she could have been she could have lost the, the the match five times. Yeah, that's actually the next note I've got here. She's flat out on the deck at this mm-hmm. stage. She, she's I think she's face down, isn't she? And, yeah. and and Becky is like you said, Max, piling all this stuff on top of her. The announcers, sort of comfy chairs that sort of spin and roll. The the steel chairs that they've had in the ring. A, a bit of a broken table. Just trying to keep her down, which again is to me ridiculous because none of these things weigh the amount required to keep to keep an athlete like that down. It's just and, and certainly not in the way she was stacking them. No. No, but she's stacking all these things down on her and she's on her face. She's led down flat out mm-hmm. for the whole time they're doing this. So why isn't the referee counting then? Yeah, exactly. And it's all to get the, the Hulk spot with uh, Charlotte breaking out. And I've got to give it props to Charlotte. Um, if you want um, a, a woman's wrestler to look deranged and angry, this Charlotte with a with the bright red face, the scowl and the hair all over, she's perfect for it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, she gets up, um, gets hold of the kendo stick, uh, uses that a few times, hits mm-hmm. a pretty vicious looking spear on the outside, to be fair. There's yeah. quite a snap to that spear, isn't there? There is. Um, she then sets up a table on the outside, near the entranceway kind of side of the ring, yeah. um, and goes to the top rope, to effectively moonsault from the top rope and put Becky through the table, which would have been quite a spectacular sight, I imagine. However, Becky jumps up and power bombs Charlotte through the table. Um, and that's where we get the finish and Charlotte's fighting to get up. And I'll let you, I'll let you explain this, Max, because obviously you've, uh, you've got a few notes there about how, how this happens. Yeah, so for me, this is where the, it, it, it kind of went out on a whimper. After the all the abuse with kendo sticks and uh, going through tables and the announced table spot and the burying with the chairs and stuff like that, for for Becky to um, master the energy to be able to run up and do the power bomb uh, and then that be the thing that that uh, keeps Charlotte down. It just felt like a bit of a whimper for me. Uh, she'd gone through all this other abuse and it was this relatively simple. Uh, power bomb through the through the the table that that kept her, kept her well that lost her the match. But the 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 biggest issue was how I mean Charlotte is normally a really good seller. There's points in this this match where you genuinely think she's in in pain. She's screaming and and she's really good at selling. For this for me this was overselling the way she was stumbling. Uh, she could have got to, back to her feet at, at five. And, we, and you spoke about this uh, just before we, the match, how you can almost telegraph how uh, the, the, the count's going to get stopped because you see her getting up and she's on one foot and then she's uh, dropping to a knee and then she's on the other foot and wobbling about like she's drunk, kind of like you this weekend uh, trying to cross the road to your car. Yeah. Um, but you, you expect her, oh, she's going to make it back to her feet. And then just as you get to the nine count, she drops down to, to one knee again. And the ref, with his inconsistency, and this was this was lead referee Mark Hiorda. No wonder he got uh, caught, uh, if, he, if this is how he does his job. Um, he he continues the count. I just felt that it we could have had a way better ending out of it, especially with all the violence that they'd gone through. To just go out on this, it just, it just felt... yeah yeah exactly um because of that and the inconsistencies with the counts and everything 
it did really sort of take away. And, and again, I come back to not liking this stipulation in the first place. So I suppose in a way I go into these matches uh, already on a negative, I guess, Mags, because I know yeah. I don't like that stipulation. But again, in the past, some people have done really clever things with it. But on this occasion, I don't think that was the case. I think there was quite a few moments that sort of took me out of what was going on. Um, yeah, I just think that on the whole, it didn't quite hit the nail on the head for me. Um, what sort of rating would you give it, my friend, out of 10? Okay, so I remember um, absolutely adoring this match at the time, uh, and maybe that was because it was something new uh, in terms of getting a woman's pay-per-view. Maybe that was being kind of like uh, all wrapped up in, in the, the excitement of, of wrestling social media. Uh, but going back and watching it now, uh, I don't think I would rate it as highly as I did uh, watching it uh, in the first place. Saying that, I've got to give the girls props. Uh, they absolutely battered each other in this match and, and some of the stuff that they pulled off whilst it it didn't always work. Looked really, really brutal. Um, so for 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 the amount of effort, for the the fact it was historically the first ever uh, female, well, last woman standing match in in the WWE, uh, that kind of like scores it up for for me. I like um, uh, that first ever and and trying to do something unique, I suppose. Um, but I think I'd, I'd, I think we've seen better matches uh, on this show. Uh, so I'm going to go with 7 out of 10. Ah, okay. Okay, no problem. I'm a smidge lower, mate. I'm a smidge lower. Um, like I said, I, I'm not brutal. <laughs> I'm not a fan of this stipulation anyway, so that straight away means that, I'm again, like I said, I'm, I'm looking at it from a negative standpoint, I suppose. There were some cool moments in there, cool, some cool visuals, but Charlotte Flair missing the moonsault, that was a bit like, uh, okay. Um, the finish, like you said, Magsy, was was a bit off off where it should have been. And the annoyance of Becky potentially having the match won a couple of times and the ref changing his mind about what constitutes a count and what doesn't. Just uh, There's a lot of moments there that didn't quite hit with me. But again, <sighs> I miss Becky Lynch. It was great seeing her on my TV for the first time in a while. They did work very hard, take some crazy stiff bumps uh, and so on. So I'm a, I'm a smidge lower than you, mate, on, on a six and a half, I think, this week. Okay, I mean, that, that's fair. Uh, I mean, it, it's not that far away from a seven. And uh, I understand your, your points and about uh, the, the stipulation. I, I, I totally get that. And, yeah, I, I, I have no arguments with that. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Okay, so then. From that last woman standing match, where do we go next week? Magsy, do you want to go first or second? I certainly will go first. Okie um, So this uh, this was, like I've said, was uh, billed to have been the first ever um, last woman standing match for, for the WWF. Um, whereas they've had plenty of them uh, in the men's. Uh, as you well know, it's a, a, a stipulation that you are incredibly bored of. Um, do you know <laughs> when the the actual first uh, WF uh, last man standing match was? I do not. Okay, so um, it's actually The Undertaker against The Executioner. Uh, but do you know what the first build uh, WF 
last man standing match. They're the one that, because obviously we know WWE likes to massage history to uh, to make it fit. Uh, as you said in the match with Michael Cole saying that there was this was the first ever count when it was actually the third one. Uh, so history doesn't really mean a lot to WWF. But do you know when the the first ever last man standing, the first build last man standing match was? Mm. No, I, again, I don't. I'm. <sighs> I remember some stuff of Triple H and Shawn Michaels around Armageddon yeah. 2002 time, but that was part of another match that was like three falls, I think. Yeah, uh, it's a little bit earlier than that. It's actually February the 14th, 1999 at, oh, okay. uh, at uh, WWF In Your House, uh, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Oh, right. It was Mankind uh, versus The Rock uh, for the WWF title. Now, instantly, I thought, yep, yeah, do you know what? That's a, a good match to go with. Mm. But now, you, with you saying you uh, you have a disdain for last man standing matches, I don't want to put you through a second uh, last man standing match in a row. Um, so I'm actually going to go with uh, another uh, match from that card. Uh, so we're going uh, to uh, WWF In Your House 27, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. And we're going to go for the main event. We oh. are going for Steve Austin putting his WrestleMania spot on the line against Vincent Kennedy McMahon in a steel cage match. Oh, what a shite. What a shite. I'll tell you what, I thought about watching this the other week. And for whatever reason, I put something else on. So that's really strange you bought that up now, to be fair. But yeah, well, I remember that being absolutely brilliant. The the black, there was a, it was like the big blue cage, wasn't it? But the cage was actually black this time, but it was the same design as the old big blue, wasn't it? Yeah, and it actually goes a lot shorter than I remember. Um, I remember this, I mean, technically there is two starts to the match, I suppose. But, uh, but yeah, it's a, a really interesting way to finish the match as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, what a shite, Magsy. What a shite. See, I've lost loads of polls recently, and I thought to myself, I'm going to bring out the big guns this week. Right? <laughs> with, gonna... with Ultimate Warrior saving the world. No, don't be silly. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to bring out the big guns this week, and uh, thinking, I've, I've got to win one scene. And then you bring out that, and I'm like, ah, oh, bollocks. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, let's have a look where we go. For my choice, if it is selected... I like to go along with sometimes looking at the venue, as we've seen in a few um, a few selections of mine in the past. Or even yeah. one of them may have even won once upon a time. I quite looking at where places were, where events were, if other companies have held um, shows in that arena. I quite I get a bit of a kick out of if, if we watch recent or, or or more recent, I guess, WWF or WWE shows, and there's an old Jim Crockett show from the same arena, like way back when. I get a little bit of a kick out of that being the link. It's got, I don't know why, but I enjoy that. Um, Evolution here was held at the, and you have to excuse me if I pronounce this wrong, Nassau Coliseum, I believe is what they call it. Nassau, yeah. Nassau, yeah, okay. In New York. Um also held in that venue was one of the three shows that made up the really obscure, strange second attempt at WrestleMania. Now, WrestleMania 2 was held over three different venues. Was it Chicago? LA. Uh, yeah, that's right. LA, yeah. Spot on, Maxi. Chicago, LA, and this one in, in New York. Yeah. Um, which actually surprises me, to be honest, because I thought the New York leg, they would have just done it in Madison Square Garden again, but 
there we go, something different, I suppose. I think it's because there were there were essentially three really cut down cards, uh, and I don't think they could have with the cards for New York because the rest of the match was shown on on the screens, weren't they, for the crowd? Mm, um, yeah. Um, so I don't think they 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 felt confident they could sell out uh, Madison Square Garden with essentially four or so matches on the card. Okay, yeah, that does make a lot of sense now you explain it, to be fair. Yeah, okie doke. Um, one of the shows that, that made out WrestleMania 2, I think this one was Chicago, but don't, I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, the main event was Hulk Hogan defending the title. And again, we mentioned the big blue cage that was used at St. Valentine's Day Massacre, but obviously by this stage it was black, but it was the same big cage, metal cage design. Um, Hogan defended the title against King Kong Bundy uh, in a steel cage. Which, again, it amazes me that that sort of thing was going on at WrestleMania 2, because Bundy was still around at, like, WrestleMania 11, and I think he might have been there in a build-up to 12 as well. And I don't think he was a young man at this stage either. So, it's, you know, he's, he's around for quite a while, wasn't he, Bundy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but obviously, the main reason for a cage being used on a wrestling match of any sort is to keep people out and keep the competitors in i guess so there's no help from the outside um you kind of have to go it alone there's no help from your mates unlike at SummerSlam 91 magsy when hogan <laughs> had to call in the help of his mate the ultimate warrior to help save the world from the evil iraqi sympathizers so there we go so i'm bringing out the big guns mate there we go SummerSlam 1990 no we're not going there Wow, <laughs> that was the, that may have been the most convoluted uh, one that yeah. you've ever done. I'm actually going to use the the Nassau Coliseum though. I am going to do that, and it's a straightforward leap from um, Evolution 2018 back to SummerSlam 2002, the same venue that held SummerSlam 2002. And like I said, I'm going to bring out the big guns this week, mate. One of my favourite matches of all time i watch it over and over again i adore this contest the return of Shawn michaels in a street fight against triple h at SummerSlam 2002 first time michaels had wrestled for four years if you believe wwf television but it's first time michaels had wrestled for four years um and i think he puts on an incredible performance but obviously i'm biased because Shawn was always my guy but that was my choice mate it's a great pick uh, an outstanding match and the start of uh, probably Shawn Michaels' best run. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so, yeah. So there we go. Uh, just to recap for everybody listening, um, we have the first option this week for your poll. Uh, In Your House 27, which was St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Was it February 14th, 99, you said, Mags? Correct. Um, Vince McMahon versus Steve Austin. Uh, in a steel cage huge huge crowd reactions huge bumps really dramatic fantastic time in wrestling in general anyway and this was a great great contest or the second option is SummerSlam 2002 and we have a returning hbk versus his former best friend uh triple h the whole car park attack i wonder who it was it was you hunter that sort of thing going on there um, the poll, as always, will be up within an hour to a day after this episode is released on the Wednesday. It will be available on the show's Twitter at chain underscore wrestling. So make sure you're following us there. Um, 
yeah, uh, again, thanks to everyone who has voted previously, everyone who has retweeted to get other people to vote, and everyone who gets involved in our non-wrestling topic. Uh, Maxi, where can people find you on the socials, my friend? You can find me hiding behind my sofa, uh, scared of a cartoon bull, at Rain Counter. <laughs> that's at rain counter or if you if you are not scared of of cartoon bulls you can find me at daj kerber brilliant <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> you can find me at sjp words and you can find the show most importantly at chain underscore wrestling give us a follow um i'm off now to check under my bed for great white sharks before bedtime <laughs> i will speak to you next week mags speak to you soon tell her mate tell her <laughs>